Roxo Media House. Jeff Wilson started covering the Texas Rangers in 2008, though he'll never forget 2021. Out on his own, he decided it was time to do a podcast, but his wheels were spinning until a nerd came along. There's no going back now. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Jeff Wilson, and the recliner nerd himself, John Moore. Hey everybody and welcome to the Rangers Today Baseball Podcast. This is episode number 62 and today is a big one for us. Been trying to get him on here for a few weeks. It's going to be Texas Rangers Hall of Famer Michael Young, his special assistant to the GM also. Hey, schedules don't work out sometimes, but Mike's going to join us here in a little bit from Dallas. And that's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's he's inside now. You know, he's he was a player and I remember... Um, now he's as, an inside cat. Right, but I remember as trade deadlines would approach when he was playing, he'd be like, yeah, we need help. Trade trade any prospect. You know, trade, <laughs> trade them all. And so now I wonder how, how that maybe has changed in his view. But yeah. um, anyway, he, he's a good guy, big sports fan. We might have to get into some TCU-USC talk. And, Uh-oh. Um, but Uh-oh. anyway, yeah, and we really appreciate uh, him taking he, the time. Yeah, he's going to join us here in a little bit. Hey, guys, before we get going, hit that subscribe button down there. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. The subscribers has gone up. This thing's starting to make a little money. It's fantastic. <laughs> tell all your Ranger fans about it. Join Rangers today. TC, right. let me tell you what. Fort Worth Star Telegram doesn't even cover the Rangers anymore. That's correct. And this 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 place is all for all you Tarrant County people. This is where you can get your Rangers coverage. It's cheaper than a newspaper. It's cheaper than the Star Telegram. It is. Oh, it's a cheaper lot than the, cheaper. A lot cheaper than that. Five ninety nine a month. You can get a thirty five dollar for the half a month or sixty dollars for a year. But let's get into big league stuff right now. The winter right. meetings start. You're going. Yeah, they. This start, is Thursday, uh, by the way. Yeah, they start uh, officially. They start Monday, but everybody gets there Sunday. And uh, uh, they, Rangers today will be there. We're yeah, we'll, we'll be there. It's the first one since two thousand nineteen, which incidentally was in San Diego, where this meeting is, and that that was the meetings where the you know where the Rangers were trying to get uh, Anthony Rendon and and uh, remember that. It ended up that you know the Angels got him when they went they went the extra year and you know might have been a blessing in disguise as, as things have played out and then uh, I said it back then <laughs> and I'll stick with it and then right after that the Rangers traded for Corey Kluber in a deal which that was sent a great away, move well yeah, yeah and they they traded away the Shields and uh, Emmanuel Clase who's now one of the best closers in baseball yeah so you know you you win some you lose some but um. You know, they're expected to be players here. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, last year, you know, there's a reason that picture's behind us. Chris Young and Corey Seager today is December 1st, and it's the one-year anniversary of everybody being signed. Right. Uh, Simeon, Seager, Cole Calhoun, John Gray. You know, the Rangers spent $561.5 million before on, on Before that, it that shut day. down. Just, just before the, the, the lockout, uh, got them all introduced. Uh, signed everything on the dotted line, and um, you know it, it really it stunned a lot of people, including me. Um, yeah, and and but it has put the Rangers kind of back on the the map at least for the off season because now when the Rangers say they have money to spend, people are starting people to are taking it. them seriously. You know, and, well, you and, look at every rumor that goes around there, and the Rangers, if they're tied to a player, there are people that are saying they're they're legit. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna be in it. Yeah, and you know and. So, I mean, some of it is, you know, all, all of this really is just throwing stuff on a wall and see what sticks at this point. You know, I don't, I really don't think the Rangers are going to sign Jacob DeGrom. That's just me. Yeah. You know, I think, I think they're a little uh, frightened by the risk uh, because, you know, of his recent injury history and he's a little bit older. Um, but anyway, there, there, there's, you know, somebody thinks that the Rangers are going to give DeGrom five years and 200 million. I, you know, last year, Two years ago, <laughs> there's no way that that people would have thought that Rangers would have spent that kind of money. So, no. so yeah. So and it's and it's you know it's good to be in. Do you in think that, Rodon? Do you think that's it's possible? Yeah, uh, you know I I I think um, they have a lot of possibilities, but I think they're I think they're only going to sign one big starter. Yeah. So it would be I guess Rodon or, or Degrom. I don't know where where Senga falls into this uh, from Japan. There's rumors around there that he wants to be with someone that he thinks is going to contend right now. Yeah. Which that could be the Rangers, but like you said, there's a lot that needs to be fixed. Sure, but um, <clears throat> you never know. He's you on know. my wish list, but I could also see him going out for 
I mean, I, I, it's, it, I'm not disappointed. If they get one big name, it's okay if they don't get Singa to go with it. I yeah, mean, you know, but yeah, and it, it's, but it's, you know, it's a balancing act. You know, how long do you want to tie tie up rotation spots because you really think that Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker and Owen White and Cole, Cole Wynn can be major league starters Cody and good Bradford. ones? Bradford. I mean, you sure. Got I mean, there's, all, there's a you got huge people. Lot, you know, Ricky Vanasco. Yeah, you know, who's on the forty man roster? So right. I mean, there's there's a long list of guys. Um, so it's like I said, it's a juggling act, and they help they help uh, you know iron out iron out the the budget. You know, they, you got guys who are pitching for eight hundred thousand dollars a year for three years. As a you know, you can help pay off that guy that's making thirty five million a year. Absolutely. So um, here's it, my it's bold ne- prediction. It's necessary. All my right. my bold prediction: there is one prospect in this organization that will make his major league debut next year. And we'll end up starting about 10 games and do fine. Because you always need extra pitching. No matter what your rotation is, you have to dip down in the minor leagues and use somebody. And somebody that we haven't seen is going to come up here and do good. And that's going to set up for going into 2024 going, this is the one that looks like he's going to make the rotation. Well, if you, That's a prediction of mine. If they sign Jacob DeGrom, then yeah, a pitcher is going to be needed for the minor (laughs) leagues. I mean, it's just, you know, hey, let's just, let's just. And I, and I was thinking about that. Let's say, okay, let's say this uh, a team signs him for forty years, or for forty million. Sorry, and uh, in five you know, years, what, what what value do you put on a Jacob Degrom start? How much money is each start worth? Right. If he's only going to make twenty starts, is that worth two million a start? Is it worth, you know, right? How much is a win worth in your mind financially? And right. You know, now if he makes twenty <clears throat> starts, he's probably going to win. You're, the Rangers would probably win you would think 10 to 14 of them somewhere in there. Right. So how much are those wins worth? And then if you, if you calculate it like that in your mind, then maybe, then maybe the value does make sense. But I just think that um, it's, it's a big risk, but you know, anyway, there's a lot more at play than just, Oh, let's just pay him $40 million. You know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot at play. And I'm sure they, they've covered every possible scenario out there, stuff that you and I would never think of in a hundred years. And, um, so we'll see, but yeah. So the winter meetings are coming up. Um, you know, the Rangers signed, I, I think, came to an agreement with Lance Lynn at the winter meetings. Uh, what was that? The seventeen winter meetings, uh, or maybe it was the eighteen winter meetings. You know, uh, Mike uh, Minor Minor was right before or after that. Kyle Gibson was before the winter meetings in uh, in nineteen. So um, they're they're generally busy at at this point doing doing some little stuff the big stuff and the big but the big stuff can take a while so we'll we'll see what happens though i think what what a lot of winter meetings my understanding Uh is also is where you start the beginnings if there's some trade out there you're really in the middle of trying to get it together whether you get it done before the end of the winter Uh meetings or not you've at least got the conversation going sure that follows up right after that i think that a lot has to do with it yeah well i think that's where you know the kluber trade really came to fruition while the while the the teams in the front offices were in San Diego and then it just took them a couple of days to finish it off because it was announced on a Saturday morning. We were, uh, we were in line, uh, at a recycling an electronics recycling, uh, place getting ready to get rid of all of our old TVs. And I looked at Twitter and I was like, well, son of a gun, we got to go home. So yeah. anyway, um, what about bats? You know, today I saw yeah. where Hanniger might be tied to the Rangers. Yeah. You know, I've, I predicted on my armchair GM that, yeah, that, yeah. that Joey Gallo, I still think that that's somebody they might take a one-year deal on. Um, he's not going to de- demand more than that. And um, maybe he doesn't get the 12, I said. I mean, but but uh, look, that guy's going to sign for one year, I think, to reestablish himself. We'll yeah. see what the shift does to him. Uh, sure. Manning the shift could sure. obviously make a big difference there. Anything you're thinking there? Uh, you know, um, Haniger wouldn't be bad. I yeah, like Haniger. Sure, you know when he's healthy. He's yeah, he's been hurt. That, yeah, that is hurt a lot. I don't know that he he plays every day now. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's you know if you if you look at what he's done when he's been healthy in in Seattle, he's a, yeah he's a nice he's a nice guy to have in your lineup. Um, you know, and and I Joey Gallo definitely wants to come back here. I you know that's I think that's pretty pretty clear i don't you know he never wanted to leave yeah um but i don't know you know i i think the rangers have are probably looking at bigger options or you know or or you know less risky options i mean you know joey gal's best seasons of his career were with the rangers obviously and right you know but his best 30 or 31 he's i don't even think he's he's right around there i don't even think he's 30 yet but okay you know his his best season was uh what 18 when he got hurt 
and didn't finish the season. He batted, I guess it was 19, 253. You know, and they're like, hey, that's a that's an amazing year. Yeah. You know, and, and when he got traded by the by the Rangers to the Yankees, he was sitting around 220. Yeah. And, you know, for Joey Gallo, that's really good. You yeah. know, and, and so what does what does he was walking a lot then yeah, too? Walked which, a lot. You know, he called so he, a walk a single and so still strikes out a lot. You know, <laughs> right. he, he he misses pitches that are in the strike zone. That's the biggest yeah, problem. That, that's with him. the problem. You know, you gotta but I, I think you know, I really think that that he and, and Donnie Ecker and Tim Hires are a good match, just what what they're trying to implement um with with, with um, seeing pitches and, and knowing knowing where the ball is going and what to lay off of. Uh, though Chase has never really been a, a big issue for Joey, but I think it would I think there's a fit there. The shift you you do talk about the shift changing, you know, are all right, the infielders can't shift, but right. could the left fielder slide over and play where the second baseman's been playing the last five years? You know, maybe right. maybe, maybe that happens. I don't know, but uh, and you know that would affect Corey Seager too. But um, you would have to think there'd be some more hits in there for for both of those guys. So, well, if that's the case, I mean, if you think about, it, let's say the left fielder comes over right. and plays, and you don't have any left field over there. You talk about taking it the other way. It's okay to pop up down that line yeah. when there's no one over there to and cover And Gallo it. does hit a lot of pop-ups to left field. So, I, anyway. Um, one thing about Gallo, though, that 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 I like is he doesn't come here as a just a home run guy. He plays defense. Right. He's got a cannon of an arm. He is good out there in the field. That's a good defender in the outfield that sure. can knock it. He, who's probably going to hit 30 home runs. Yeah, and, you know, people like him. <clears throat> He's comfortable here. You, you, you know what you're getting with him. Right. So I I don't know I mean, that kind of there's risk but that takes away a lot of the risk. Well, he so, could be a signing along with the big bat. He could be a cheaper like get him and get another guy that that's more what you're really trying to go yeah, after. Yeah, and I and I don't I don't you know I don't know that that there there's been so much focus on the on the pitching. Yeah, that you just you just don't have a feel for, for it. And you know, and you have you have Seager, you have uh, Low. Do you want a left-handed hitter? Do you you know? Do you, do you want to? Uh, do you have your Simeon Garver Young? Do you want to? Do you want to, uh, Garcia? Do, yeah. you, do you want a right-handed another right-handed bat? So there's a lot of things with lineup construction you gotta gotta think about. So anyway, and one other thing that happens in the winter meetings or right right at the start is the uh, results of the Veterans Committee will for be, the Hall of Fame. I was about for to the talk Hall about of Fame. It. Yeah, the, and TR got something coming up. Yeah, the the memoir that's going to be out today. Um, Anyway, I, I can't remember what it's called now. It's called like the Today's Era Player Committee or something. But basically, it's the Veterans Committee. With and 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 on the on the list is is former Ranger uh, Rafael Palmero, who everybody knows his numbers. I mean, you know, five hundred and something home runs, three thousand and something hits. I mean, he's guys with those numbers get to the hall. Go to the Hall of Fame, except when you sit in a in a congressional hearing and point at him and go, I did not take steroids and then test positive a couple months later. Right. Right. And, so you that's, know, that's, that's, I think if he would have just kept his mouth shut, maybe this whole thing would go away. Maybe, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, the, the guys who have, um, <laughs> who have tested positive since MLB started enforcing this, it's, it's just, they can't overcome. Nope. And and you know I you know the, I, I got my Hall of Fame ballot in the mail the other day, you know I'm not going to vote for Alex Rodriguez or or Manny Ramirez just because they got popped after it was illegal and yeah you know, and, and and I'm a big you know I, and people say oh you're a hypocrite because you voted for Bonds and Clemens, you know they never they never failed the test nope. and, and MLB was complicit in the rise of the steroid era because they never did anything to enforce it their they, names what and they Clemens made a, they made up. a ton of money on these people so right. um, I I just now, but now that they're enforcing it, okay, that's different. But before, I, I vote. I voted for those guys, and, well, and they're you know, they're, Clemens yeah. came up on the Mitchell report. Was that right? He, yeah. He, well, and, and that's the, where he's yeah, all tied and, into yeah, it. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the you know the Balco thing with with Bonds and yeah, uh, I think with Clemens it was the ex trainer who right, and his stuff. wife was getting into steroids or something like yeah, that. Well, yeah. that's fine, but um. Yeah. So anyway, she so anyway, third in the lineup. Yeah. Palmero's not the only <laughs> flawed one on the ballot. Clemens is on there. Bonds is on there. Uh, you know, you have Albert Bell who had a nice career, but is a total total jerk to everybody. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fred McGriff is, seems to be the 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 favorite right now. You have to get seventy five percent of the sixteen member ballot so that or committee. So that's twelve. You have to be first on twelve. Um, 
so yeah so looks like mcgriff you know i'm a big dale murphy fan yeah i like don mattingly you know those, those guys uh for stretches were the best hitters and you know you could argue that dale murphy was the best player in the national league for five or six years yeah uh and then had a really dramatic drop off so um but yeah it'll be interesting to see and I, but i i don't think that that palmero is going to make it and you know it's 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 a shame but you did know. you ever deal with him no, I did not. You came uh, after he was already you, yeah, 2008 yeah, yeah. when you first started on the beat. Yeah, that right? was my first season, and you know by <clears throat> by then he was already uh, kind of banished. And, and yeah. you know the, he, started, he was with the, the Oreos, but went before the, he the Rangers have started to bring him back. He's he's made some appearances at games and alumni stuff, but um, you know maybe he can make the Rangers Hall of Fame someday. I, sure. I don't know, but um, it's uh, it's going to be a tough tough road for him this weekend. I think. And we had the one year anniversary there. Yeah. Uh, winter meetings. You'll you'll be there Sunday. Yeah, you're heading yeah, out, yeah. which means we'll have coverage from there. Maybe you can get Boris. I mean, he'll usually hold court. He he does hold court uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, it'll be Wednesday probably. I mean, it's a it's a scene. It's it's embarrassing. There's so many so many reporters around him, and uh, you know it's it's hard to get your question in there and get your microphone in there uh, unless unless you position yourself well. But then. Once you ask your question and you're done, you got to stay there for the whole thing because you're trapped. Yeah. So you know it's it's uh, but but <laughs> enough enough people are there and they transcribe the whole thing and it eventually will be disseminated to everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's a show. But the yeah the winter meetings kind of a beat down. You know, long hours, lots lots of time on your feet, lots of time wondering what the hell's going on. But uh, it's it's a place that that reporters have to be really. I mean, it's, yep. it's the, it's the marquee event. Well, the beat writers, you're a beat writer. Beat writers need to be there. And it's just, uh, I'm glad Rangers today, guys, I'm telling you, we're covering it all Yeah, and it's going to be there. You know what? Let's get to anything else. We're going to get to Michael. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's get Michael Young in here right after this guys. right now from Dallas at his house is Texas Rangers Hall of Famer and he was the captain of the teams that went to the World Series and he's a special assistant to the general manager right now. It's Michael Young. Mike, thanks so much for joining us, man. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but Michael is from uh, the Los Angeles area. Uh, he's he's wearing a USC football shirt right now. He's got his colors on. Uh, this is this is this is Roxo Media House, which is home to Frogs today. Uh, I went to TCU. Uh, we got a TCU helmet on the table now. So um, anyway, we'll get into that in a little bit. But hey, right right now we're both sitting pretty. All right, all we got to hey. do is take care of business this weekend, then, and we will. But TCU is totally looking pretty right now. I think they're they got to be in you if they lose, right? You would think. I mean, I think the three twelve and O teams belong. You know they they went through their their season perf you know didn't lose obviously and now they're having to play a bonus game and yep. the bonus game shouldn't hurt you while serving somebody else who didn't even qualify for those games that's my opinion that's been my opinion for a long time yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just I just think it'd be a travesty but the, you know, those brands those Ohio states and Alabamas out there are probably looking pretty good to that committee. So yeah, we'll they, see. they always do. We'll see. Tell you what. All right, all right. The other business at hand. Uh, what? Why haven't the Rangers signed anybody, Michael? What's going on here? Uh oh. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it does to, to all this stuff. When you get into free agency, it gets a little dicey as far as kind of making sure that you're looking at the market properly trying to see where the best fits are uh, obviously for us it was, the first order of business was hiring your manager and completing our, our coaching staff and filling that out which we've done and now we turn our attention to to the market and you know it's one thing to go out there and target free agents uh which obviously a lot of teams are doing right now but it's another to also kind of go out there and try and survey the trade market too so i know all the folks who are working out really hard in our front office have their hand in pretty much all that stuff right now and are just kind of waiting to see proper fits and, and they'll be aggressive when they see it. How, how involved are you? Are you at the ballpark 
couple days a week? Does it does it depend on on the timing? You know, if something is close, they call you in. What, yeah, what is I mean, your for schedule? Me, for me right now, I mean, going to the ballpark isn't as important as just making sure that I'm in constant communication with uh, with CY uh, and with the rest of the guys. Um, but they're the ones who are in there, and it's always been this case. You know, I'm uh, as as special assistant. It is part time. I've seen the way the way the guys go full time, and it is it's insane. I got a ton of respect for what they do, for how hard they work, for the the way they communicate as a team. And um, I, again, I'm I'm really happy to be a small part of it, but um, I give all of the, all those guys the credit that they deserve. Me, it's it's a really hardworking group. And you don't want to be a, a full time guy. No, no. <laughs> um, the work the work sounds great. The the, the work sounds great. And I've said this forever. It, it's just kind of like rinse and repeat with me. You can just uh, probably find this and hit record. Um, I love the concept of the work, whether it's uh, in a front office or even in a dugout, um, but the time is something that I haven't just been been willing to do. Um, you know, people have asked me, huh, when your kids get older, are you going to want to, uh, you know, jump in a little bit more? And it's been exactly the opposite of what I've said. You know, I kind of said, oh, maybe, you know, at that point when my kids get a little older, I'll maybe be willing to jump in. But it hasn't been that way at all. I mean, I think as my kids get even older and they're in, and they're in college, I'm going to want to go visit them. I'm going to want to go yeah. travel on my own. So I just don't, I don't see myself ever hopping in full time. I just don't see it. Well, the, the one thing I've learned about kids is as they get older, they get busier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, we, I guess, I guess we weren't really prepared for it. And me and my wife, cause my, my son is, is playing baseball for a, I don't want to say a select team, but a, a tournament team. And uh, he plays basketball. Those, turn, for those, those tournaments aren't very long, are they? Jesus. <laughs> we, our last tournament this year, Michael was a one day tournament and, uh, the first game was at 9.30, and they ended up playing five games and went all the way to the championship game. Oh we didn't gosh. we didn't leave until, and this is on a Sunday, until after 11. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, uh-huh. and But the tournament, they're just a grind in the downtime. Good God, it's terrible. Crazy. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, we're probably getting off topic a little here right now, but I mean. That's fine. <laughs> major leaguers don't like playing double headers. Yeah. Like major leaguers don't like playing two games in one day. And you're asking young kids to crank out if they get on championship Sundays and they you go until you lose, you can crank out four or five games in one day. Yeah. And no, it was, it's a mystery when kids burn out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wasn't that way when I played? I mean, you just exactly. played your rec ball and uh, and you know, you played about I walked 30. to the field, I I walked in the field, dragged my shit with me, and I played a game at noon on a Saturday, I went home. I mean Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Glory to you, man. <laughs> no, and it's uh you know, we're uh we're, we're doing some tryouts right now and man, it, it is, it's the tryouts aren't stressful, but it's like, what do you do? And it, it's unnecessary stress. I, I really, we were not braced for this at all. And, uh, you know, we want our son, first of all, to have fun. We want him to That's be able the to, main thing. Yeah, it's gotta be fun. We want him to develop. And, uh, so we're just, it's like a constant, like, are we doing the right thing for him? And I mean, I, I you have three boys. I, I don't know if they all play baseball, but, you know, my God. And and then like our daughter plays on a, on a really good soccer team and it, it's just, it's nuts. I, I, You're an Uber driver. I wish we could, are. I wish we could go back 30 years cause it'd be a lot better. <laughs> really? yeah, it's, it is, it is crazy. I mean, they do. Um, I do. I will say the kids are better at this age than they were around when I grew up. Um, yeah. My son's better than me at the same age. And um, I have three boys. My oldest is a junior in high school and he, he, I mean, like, like coming back to the earlier points, when the kids get older, you get even busier. I mean, you know, he's out of, you know, the young kid stuff. He drives himself everywhere, hangs out with his friends. They drive, they go out at night. You know, now it's real stuff, right? Junior, senior, and high school stuff. Where are you going? Who are you with? What's yeah. there? Uh, you know, I go home. He goes out, but I'm home. I don't, I mean, man, out there <laughs> weekend nights, so but I want to go to bed early, but I can't go to bed until I know he's home. Yeah. I don't know, you know, we're in That's communication. What he's doing, um, but if you know something happens, something goes haywire, I got to be in my car to go get him. So right. I mean, it's, uh, it's nonstop. It doesn't it doesn't end at uh, at tournament baseball. I'll be the first to tell you on that one. Well, see, well, your kids your kids are young. Yeah, mine are the age of his boys, and I've got one twenty four. You're exactly right, Mike. I mean, they don't understand why is there a curfew. It's because I want to go to bed, <laughs> but I'm not going to sleep until you're in the house. Right. So yeah. you're exactly right. 
Well, and I, yeah. I tell you what, though, Michael. Michael, one thing you told me, I'll, I remember this um, when my, fun, my sons first started playing baseball or t-ball. Is like <clears throat> you said, you don't talk to them in the car about the game, good or bad. You just you just drive home and and let everything cool off. Maybe a cooling off period, and you can talk about them. But I, you know, I don't jump my son's shit. I, I just I just can't do that. But <laughs> But yeah, it's no. a great it's a great tip. It's a great tip. It works. Uh, and they start getting older. You know, my son, who uh, my oldest is 17, he's on the swim team in high school. He doesn't play baseball. Um, but my my 13 year old does. He's, he's serious about it. Uh, we're at a point now where we can talk a little bit more. But I usually try and, uh, you know, for the longest time, those what you and I talked about. As long as they're in uniform, no talking about baseball after the game. Like you got to let them. The, the ride home can suck for a lot of kids. And I wasn't going to do that to my kid. Yeah. So um, it became, all right, what, when we started talking about baseball games afterwards, all right, what went well? What went well out there? Even if, you know, I, in baseball, it's one of those games, man. Even if you have a good game, there's probably a couple, a couple two or three things that you did shitty just because it's such a tough sport. Right. Yeah. So, like, even if you go three for four, there, a couple things went south, you know? But so it's like, all right, what went well? And then we go over what he did well. All right, well, base running, defense, you know, a couple of bats, great, whatever. And then I kind of just sit there, and he usually goes, man, I, I, that one at bat because he switched it, or that one at bat right-handed, I wish I – okay, boom, there's my green light. All right, well, <laughs> what happened? Did you expand the zone? Like, like he usually kind of initiates it now, like things that he wants to talk about. So, you know, he's at a point now where we can really talk about game and chop it up the way I like to, right, which is – you know, where we know that having fun and being a good teammate is important, but now we can get into the finer points of the game, which is something that I've been kind of dying to, to hop into for a long time. And I'm um, starting to kind of, he's starting to see uh, all that stuff kind of pay off when he plays now. And another thing, how, when did bats get to be four and $500? Oh my God. What? Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, that's. It's a scam, dude. The whole thing. <laughs> so bad. And then, like, and then how about this? Like, they have kids convinced now. Like, when I was a kid, you, you bought a metal bat, and you use it until that bat didn't fit you anymore, right? Then you hand yeah. it to your younger cousin or your little brother, and he used it. Exactly. <laughs> you cast so them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just hand-me-down, right? Like clothes, right? You just hand them down to your, your closest relative. But nowadays, they have these kids convinced that, like, these metal bats have, like, a shelf life, right? They only have, like... So a, a certain amount of barrel shots, and then they're no good anymore. You got to throw them in the trash and buy a new one. It's a total jip. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I pass all my all the bats down to the kid to his to to the younger brother, my, my Antonio, my youngest son. But Emilio still says he goes, I don't know, I'm not sure anymore. You know, barrels I got in this thing. I'm like, shut up and just hit. I'm <laughs> sure there's plenty of barrel shots in there. Just hit. Like, and plus he's growing like crazy. So like. You're not going to be using that bat for much longer anyway, but yeah. I don't know, man. The whole thing is super, super sketchy. Well, if you're hitting it that well with a bat that doesn't have many more barrels in it, wait till I get you the bat that has the barrels in it. Exactly. So you need to keep yeah, hitting exactly. with this one. Yeah. So I, wait till you start swinging wood bats all the time, and then we'll see. Yeah. I, I assume. I assume based on this conversation that Ian Kinsler is not knocking down your door to to be be a spokesperson for War Stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he's. Uh, I think prefer they're they're actually doing pretty, really, really well right now, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, and Kim's working too. He works at it. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I'm excited about is they just came out with pickleball gear. So nice. like, yeah, all like and Warsec has all the cool designs and the colors and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know pull my old man hobby and get all over him for pickleball gear because that's probably my next my next uh, venture. Next thing. Yeah, the uh, my my son actually has a a, a war stick bat, and um, yeah, it's good. And uh, pickleball—that's where my wife's 40th birthday party was at Chicken and Pickle in Grand Prairie. They're not—they're yeah, not a sponsor, but they need to be, and they have great chicken strips. But <laughs> my wife wants to do that. They, you know, Michael, they played a ton. They play a ton of pickleball and have for years in surprise, and uh, you know, so it's finally catching on. It's finally the rage. That's something I can do as a fat dude. I mean, that's something I could get me back. I'm starting to work out now and get back in shape, but pickleballs look like something. I can't run a baseline for, you know, for tennis anymore. I'm going to have to play some pickleball. Wait. So, uh, the, not to go back to baseball, but one, one another, another thing. But I you're re- going to. Another thing I remember <laughs> from the past 
is that uh, you, you as a major league baseball player in a on a competitive team that was in contention, you were always very willing for the front office to trade away prospects. I, I wonder, Michael, has that changed with with how you see the organization now and 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 your role? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, as a player, you you one thing that especially when you get on into like the middle sweet spot of your career, you do have a level of awareness on how long it's going to last, right? Um, you know that this is only going to happen. These windows only pop up, you know, for so long. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a, a monster market. You know, the Chicago Cubs are, are grinding to kind of reopen their window again. It's not easy to have that thing pried open all the time. And when you're there, you recognize how special it is. So I remember, you know, fielding answers from you guys about prospects. I'm like, ship them all out, man. I did not care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and again, that's that's the luxury you have of being a player, right? You you and as a, as if you're a front office member, you kind of appreciate the fact that a player's got blinders on, and he's like, all right, all I think about, all I care about is what's on the field tonight. That, that's all I care about. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in the front office, you don't really have that luxury, right? It's like one eye on the present, which means a lot, and the one eye on the future, which also means a lot. Um, but I think it also depends on making sure you have a, a solid amount of, uh, um, of judgment, of sound judgment in order to kind of make that determination of when is go time and when is it. Um, so I think, and again, and everyone is case, uh, case specific, right? Depends on who the prospects are, depends on what the team is, depends on what the fit is. Uh, but once you establish if it's a, a really good fit for the team, yeah, I mean, I think, I think every team, when they see their window starting to open, is willing to kind of do what's necessary to, to keep it open uh, and to try and win now, uh, but again, they're all they're all they're all case specific. Yeah. So what what is your evaluation of the farm system? I mean, this is from our from our vantage point, and we've had a lot of the guys on a lot of the top prospects on the show. I mean, it's deep. I mean, I I, I don't remember it being this deep, and I, and I know nine and ten and eleven might have been the last time it was like deep. this. Super deep and talented, and yeah, yeah. I think if you're Oh, hang on, Michael. You're breaking up a little bit. Hang on. So right. the Ranger fans are a way to make the fans kind of like chill on what's happening at the big league level, if that makes sense, right? All right, we're losing at the big league level, but damn, our farm system is sweet. And after a while, the fans are kind of like, all right, great, great, great. I think the the unique part about where we are now is that all of our prospects are right around the corner. They're not like down in rookie ball or low away ball. They're they're basic. They were like a lot of them have been in Frisco. And are headed to Round Rock or have already been in Round Rock. So when you get guys that are that close and they start having success in Double A, you can now start getting really excited about them. They're right there. You have success in Double A, you're ready for a big league opportunity. And we have guys who have had success there. So you know, and then you talk about the guys that we have that we know are talented and now starting to kind of like scratch the surface on what they can do, and that's a really fun part of development. Uh, again, you talked about the depth, but it's also high end talent too. Yeah, I think that this is the year where we see not only like our, our – last year you started to see it where our guys started having some success along with their ability. And I think in 20, 2023 is where you're going to see kind of that perfect store come where you have all that depth, all that ability, and you're combined with production, and that's when that's when farm systems really explode. Yeah, you know, it it's, it's, seems like it's a tough situation that Chris and, and, and the front office find themselves in because – of what you just said, the the prospects are right there, but I, you know, you got you got to you got to start winning. You know, six straight losing seasons. So there, and we were talking about this in our first. I mean, there's a big juggling act here. You know, like how long do you want to lock up a pitcher? Uh, you know, a free agent pitcher because you know how you need you need these young guys to help balance the budget for one. But they're they've got a chance to you know, I guess the dream is the the late ninety early two thousand Oakland A's. Where you can pull a Mulder, Hudson, and Zito out of your your farm system, uh, but it just so so. How much of that is in the thought process right now? Yeah, I think I think right now I think um, I think actually they're kind of independent, right? Like you, we want to make either way. We have got to make sure this next wave of uh, pitchers, not even pitchers, but even the, uh, the position players. Now we're we're super active in the trade market or the free agent market. Um, or not, uh, we've got to make sure this, this next wave of players comes up and contributes to the team. Uh, that's going to give us an opportunity to do everything. Like you said, you want to make sure that you're for so many reasons, it's important to get young players to contribute. I think the fan base can identify with them right away. 
they become like fan favorites. They, they get fans excited about coming to the game. Of course, it balances out your budget and you get guys who are playing at the minimum and they uh, are productive members of your team. That's massive for any team. Um, so, yeah, for all those reasons, it's really, really important. But, I mean, we're, we are making sure that uh, those guys are going to get an opportunity when they're ready. They come and get an opportunity. But I think the beauty of like what CY has stressed to all these guys is this is a now – you saw what we did last year with our middle infield. Uh, you know, every rumor out there has us involved in every big picture that that's there. We want to make sure that our young players know, your young players and pitchers know that you're if you play well and you work hard and you kind of check all the boxes that we ask you to check, you're going to get an opportunity here. Uh, but no red carpets rolled out. And that's the way it should be. It's competition. This is sports. This is, this is nothing given, everything earned. And that's exactly the way it should be. And that way, when you get, when you do get that opportunity and you do succeed, you're already a little hardened up. You're already hardened up. You've already had to kind of earn your opportunity. And when you start doing that to players, that's when you find players who are ready to perform in postseason games. And, and so it's really, really just uh, uh, another step in development, really. Even though they're not in the minor leagues anymore, you still kind of develop a mentality that helps them succeed when when all the pressure's on. Sure. Um, what, what, what's your take on, on, on Josh Young? Josh can flat out hit. Um, I think he's, um, one, he's really smart. He's a smart kid. Uh, and two, he takes a ton of... Uh, uh, he has a ton of pride in what kind of hitter he wants to be. Uh, when we first got him, it was, I mean, everything we've heard when we first got him was he was more of a well-rounded hitter, right? He uses the whole field. We've got to work on pull power. That was the biggest thing that we heard at the time. Well, now look what Josh does, right? You leave him something up in the zone, and it gets smoked to left field in the air. So he's already kind of made these adjustments before he's even got to the major leagues, right? And then they always say, and I find it to be true, that with, with good polished hitters, power is the last thing to develop. You know, they start getting that knack for catching a breaking ball out front and getting a little bit of backspin and hitting it instead of trying to mash a 480-foot homer, 340-foot homer, you're still jogging around the bases. And you just kind of learn that skill of getting the ball in the air and just let the backspin over the fence a little bit. And, you know, I think Josh is going to get there. Uh, he's he's already showing these – he's crushed the minor leagues, right? He's absolutely new to play pitching. Again, that speaks to our earlier point, uh, everything he earned. So he's earned his opportunity yeah. Um, so he's he's got a chance to be a really special hitter um, and, and fit right in the middle of our lineup for years to come. Well, I could, I could keep you forever, but uh, John's over here chomping at the bit, wanting to ask fun <laughs> stuff. So well, this is the you know I, I I come at this when, when look I I grew up a Texas Ranger fan. So when you were playing in the World Series, my wife and I had season tickets sitting up in the stands. So we were right there with you, and I know it was exciting. It was exciting for us. So I know what fans like to hear and what they want to talk about. So you're from La Puente, California, right? You went to Bishop, what was it? Bishop Amat Memorial? There you go. All right, I got that right. Did you play any other sports in high school? No, I um, I played just baseball. So I played all sports growing up, and the second I got to high school, it was baseball only. Just baseball. And now we had uh, Woody on here. You guys played against each other or were neighbors. Is that right? Yeah, we grew up together. Um, you know, we all went to all the same. I went to public schools all the way through eighth grade. He and I went to the same schools uh, in, in middle school and junior high school. We went to the same school, uh, Las Palmas Junior High School. Uh, we sat, in, sat next to each other in all of our classes, played <laughs> basketball, recess, all the fun stuff. And then he went to our uh, the next uh, Northview High School was the public school that we would have went to. My folks sent me to Bishop Mott Catholic School. was kind of like the sports powerhouse uh, in our area. And I went there. So it became just a massive, uh, with all my buddies who went to Northview, I, I went to Bishop Mott, didn't really know anybody. Um, and uh, I was always kind of following Northview baseball. But we never got a chance to play each other in my four years. Um, and Woody and I always talked. About it. We would have totally smashed them. Smashed them. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice to have gotten that chance. I mean, we were the number one team in the state my junior and senior year, so it would have been it would have been on at that point. Well, so I know that so you ended up going to UC Santa Barbara. So but coming out of high school, you were drafted out of high school. So did you have any other opportunities, any other schools that looked at no, you? No, one. One. One offer. Uh UCSB. Um you know, it was SC was my dream school. Um, that was the one I really wanted to go to. SC or UCLA, they were the two big schools around where I was from, and I um, was getting a little call, some calls from both my um, in high school, and they started to kind of cool down a little bit, uh, which was a little heartbreaking. Um, but UCSB was consistent, so I had one offer and jumped all over it. Um, 
If they had a football team, I'd be wearing their shirt right now. <laughs> it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to field a football team with a campus full of guys in flip flops and board shorts. So it's kind of tough. <laughs> uh, okay, they, this is, but they have good basketball. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. It's fun. It's a it's a fun place to watch a basketball game for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a really really cool place. They, their baseball program has really taken off. Yeah. This is a fun one to ask, too, because you got drafted twice. You got drafted in the 25th round by the Oreos out of high school, 1994. But then in 97, you were a fifth-round pick. I love asking this question. On each one of them, how did you find out you'd been drafted? I mean, it wasn't like today where you go sit in New York. How, where were you, and how did you find out you'd gotten drafted? Uh, the first time I was in high school, so I was just kind of hanging out at home. No big deal. And I, at, once the first day passed, remember in those days, it was unlimited rounds. So right. the first day passed, and, that, and at that point, I had a scholarship in hand, so I wasn't going to sign. The Orioles called me in day two, um, said thank you. And it, was, it was an honor, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. And then my, my junior year at UCSB, I knew I was going to sign. So I just taken a final um went to uh, went back to my apartment to take a nap my roommate woke me up in the phone ring and it was billy moore the scout from the blue jays and um you know told me i got drafted i was super excited um it really is a special moment when uh, i can imagine every sport uh, when you find out your your that step one of your lifelong goal is finally here you can sign and mix it within days you're on a plane it, it's it's the best feeling in the world <laughs> Now, now, the trade. So you're traded for Esteban Loaiza. That whole deal comes down. You come to the Rangers. How did you find out you'd been traded? Yeah, so we knew um, we were right at the trade deadline. And as a minor league player, when you're, um, when you're a prospect and you, the, the trade deadline comes, you, you could happen, right? You never know. So, right. um, you know, we were, in, we were in Greenville, South Carolina. I was in AA at the time. And um, our manager, Rocket Wheeler, my my uh, my cell phone rings and he's like, "Hey, I need to see you in my in my hotel room." All right, so um, right away I'm like, "This is no good." Um, <laughs> either I got traded, either I got traded, or he's a creep. Either way, this is no good. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, uh, sure enough, I go over there and he tells me, kind of, he's already because I had him for three years as a manager at this point. Yeah, right? and, and in my case, you go through a lot together. You know, it's a ton of extra work. Um, you know, a ton of games play, a ton of development, a ton of bus trips. It's a lot of time to kind of bond. So he, he had some tears in his eyes, and he said, you just got traded to, to Texas. And I was bummed at, the start, at that point, right, because all I knew was the Blue Jays at that point. And I was looking – again, I was in double A. I was having some success, and it was, it was close. Um, but I kind of got over it pretty quickly because, um, you know, it's during the season trade, so you don't have any time to think about it. Next thing you know, I'm – I'm in Tulsa next yeah. day in Tulsa and I'm playing that night. And, um, it's, it, again, it's one of those cool, cool things where baseball becomes a sanctuary. Like the second seven o'clock rolls around, it's like, I'll worry about my, my luggage and where I'm going to stay. And the fact that I don't have a car out here, I'll worry about all that stuff after the game. But so it worked out fine. And, you know, within, at the end of that year, I was in the big with the Rangers. So yeah. it really, really worked out well. For me. Well, at September 29th, 2000, that's your major league debut. This is, I mean, as a guy that played baseball in high school, was never good enough to go beyond that. This would be a dream of mine. How did you find out you were going to the big leagues? Yeah, I was uh, all packed up. I was getting ready to go to the Arizona Fall League. Um, I had my truck packed up. I was in, I was actually at my sister's high school volleyball game. And I got a call from uh, Reed Nichols, who was our farm director at the time. And he said, hey, you're going to go, um, you know, you're going to show up to the Fall League late. Um, you're going up to Seattle. Uh, we just got an injury. Uh, you're going to finish out last week, the big team. So I was like, sweet. You know, uh, <laughs> didn't know how much I'd play. Um, you know, as it turns out, I, I watched a lot. Didn't really play too much. Um, got a couple of bats, didn't get any hits. And, uh, but it was, I think that one week, and it's, you know, you got to take it for what it's worth. And at that point, that's all I had to go on. And the positives for me were by the time I rolled to what ended up being my rookie year the following spring, I kind of knew how a big, big environment kind of functions, right? What time they get there? what they eat, what it looks like after a win, after a loss in the clubhouse, uh, when you got to go get your early work in, all those kind of like little things that you usually have to kind of work out and fly. I was ready for it by the time I got to camp the following year. So uh, they, uh, that ended up being a really, really big thing for me. Small so, in the grand scheme of things, but it was good at the time. What, what, was 2000 the first year of Safeco or the last season of the Kingdom? No, it was, I think 99 was the first. Um, okay. Because, I don't, yeah, I don't it was remember. 91. So is it Safeco? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so 
I, I can probably guess what this is, but you played on the World Series teams. But what is your greatest memory as a Ranger player? Is it game six? Is it, you know, what was it going to, I mean, game six against the Yankees? What's your greatest memory uh, as a Ranger? Um, I think um, that one is easy to go to because I think that was, I think for fans, it's definitely game six against the Yankees. Um, I think for me, it was probably the, the game six of following here um, because the game six against the Yankees, everything kind of happened really fast, right? It was, right. We, we knew we had a good year and all that fun momentum builds up throughout the course of the year. We trade for Cliff Lee. Cliff was really great. We're steamrolling through the playoffs. Uh, we go into New York and we really, really take it to him. We win two out of three in New York and we come back home and we know we're going to, we're going to win the thing at home. And that felt great. Right. But we're still kind of on this, just this roller coaster of emotion, like trying to make sure that we're taking in all of the fun and the atmosphere of the, of the city, of the area and trying to make sure that we stay focused on the field in order to kind of, you know, capitalize on our opportunity. But the following year, 2011, I, I just think it was a bunch of guys really who had it was a perfect storm of the season. It was a bunch of really, really good players who had career years. Um, we ran through the whole league and we played, we got to play Detroit in the ALCS of that year. Um, it was a, kind of a similar situation. They were a loaded team. I mean, they're, they're pitching. Yeah. Yeah. Verlander, Scherzer, Miguel Cabrera is at, in peak form. They were really, really good. And, um, Sure enough, man, we end up coming back home. We're up 3-2, very similar to the year before, up 3-2 with a chance to clinch it at home. And we're in our advanced scouting meeting, and we're facing Scherzer that night. And um, we knew that if we if we lost that game, they would throw uh, either Doug Fister or Ricky Porcello in game seven, who they're both really good with Verlander probably coming out of the pen. So we knew that. Let's handle business right here. So we're going through the scouting report. We're talking about shirts. Our hitting coaches are saying their piece. And we just stopped the meeting. And I remember we're facing, again, we're facing Max Scherzer. And we're like, let's just beat the hell out of this team tonight. No messing around. I don't care what the scouting report says. We haven't, we've been playing a lot of tight games. That whole series was a bunch of tight games. Extra inning games, you know, a hit here and there can decide it. And we said, we haven't smoked it anybody in a while like we are due for a beat down <laughs> so tonight we'll get it how about that we'll get it tonight and sure enough i think we beat him by, by 10 um yeah. and that oh, was yeah. kind of what that team was capable of it was just let's let's kind of like put our let's stay focused on one thing and let's just go get it and that was a fun that was a fun game it really was kind of to me kind of like show what that team was all about yeah i, I think the the thing about that game that's forgotten and you just brought up is max scherzer started that game i yeah. mean you know what it wasn't Max Scherzer right now, but he was Max Scherzer. Yeah, and he was. I, yeah. I think I think you guys scored nine, right? Nine in the third or nine in the fourth. Yeah, we did. We knocked him out in the third. We knocked. They brought in Porcello. We knocked out Porcello. We did. I mean, it was. And Scherzer wasn't the same guy he right. ended up being in say, DC, but stuff wise, he was. Yeah, stuff wise, still what he was at the time. It was just a matter of like maybe the the command didn't end up being what it was down the road, but it was still a handful of that bat. It was very clear that what, what that guy had. Had in the tank as far as what he could accomplish in his career, he was he was a he was a handful of that bat. Yeah, I I remember that series that, and like Miguel Cabrera, you could not get a ball past him. No. You could you could throw it a foot outside and he would hit it. It was it was yeah. un, it was just unbelievable. He's, and then the, like the next year, he won the triple crown. Yeah, but he was good. That, God. I just remember and I remember how much Wash revered him and talked about him and. God bless Wash. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got two more for you, so I'm gonna let you get out of here. One, this is the game I play with all the hitters. It's called the home run game. You're gonna talk about three home runs you've hit in your life. First one's real easy to always do, and sometimes your second one you have one or two of them. First one is your first home run you ever hit over a fence. How old were you, and do you remember where you were? Yeah, I was uh, 12. I was playing at Camino National. It was a first pitch fastball, from Matt Miller. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Miller. Right. I ended up hitting, I hit when I was twelve. I think I hit done the. I've I have an elephant memory when it comes to this stuff, dude. I'll be here all day long. Um, it was uh, we played. A, I think a tw- we. I played for the Padres. Uh, we we won the the league that year. We won the city championship that year. And I hit like I think seven homers in like a twenty game schedule, and three of them were off Matt Miller. That was just the first one. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, second one. Most exciting. Now, it could have been whether it was college, minor leagues, major leagues. 
maybe a walk-off or tie up a game or anything like that? What If you have a couple of them, that's okay. What's the most exciting home run you remember hitting? Um, uh, exciting. You, you would think to be big league games. I remember when I was in college, we were playing. Uh, it was my junior year, and um, we were playing at Wichita State. And um, the guy I was facing, I had a little bit of a back and forth with. So I had faced him that summer in Alaska. And um, I sure enough, I hit a homer my first at bat. And at, at this point, it was my junior year. The draft's right around the corner. I'm kind of starting to smell all this stuff. Like it's starting to really become, become real in my head. Yeah. Uh, and it was like kind of like college baseball back in the day, right? There's no TVs out there. So one home run means like stuff's about to happen. Sure enough, I get two balls whizzing on my head the next at bat. And then the uh, third pitch, uh, Hit it off the scoreboard. And I think it was the one homer that I pimped in my entire life. I mean, it was, <laughs> I don't think I ever, I mean, you got, I never, ever did a homer. It's hit it, get my head down, get around the bases. But I had fun with that one, man. There was a lot of people in Wichita, Kansas, who didn't like me after that game. That was a fun, fun game. Two balls was by the dome. Yeah, I had some fun hitting that one. Okay, last one. The bomb, the one that the moment it hit your barrel, you knew it was gone. Um, who was it against, and how far do you think it went? Whew. Um, that's a good one. Um, probably the – that's a really good one. Uh, one thing that sticks out, I think it was 2009, one that sticks out, we were facing Detroit, um, and I hit it, I think, at our, at our park. Um, yeah, it was. It, I felt zero, super, super locked in at this point in the season, and I think it was off Ryan Perry, a uh, kid who came out from Detroit, throwing really, really hard. So you know, he just doing all the hard work, right? You just got to put barrel on it. Yeah, he won yeah. like left, left center, and it kind of just really, really hit, clipped it perfectly. I don't know how far it went, um, but it was, it was one of those ones that right at contact. It was. You I'm gonna get on the bases, but I kind of want to watch where this thing ends up a little bit because that was. Those <laughs> were the, <laughs> that's a good feel i hit one in my life so it's real easy to remember the one i hit my okay, junior year of high yeah. school right. okay last one this is the fun one it's what's something that nobody what's something nobody knows about michael young let me give you some examples so you'll know where you're going jack Leiter can't stand peanut butter so that's just that's weird here's one that i always find funny jd has been on here a couple of times jd has airplane underwear Two pairs. He wears one on the plane ride wherever he goes, and he wears one pair on the plane ride home. That was he said it. So I yeah, mean, he I said can, it. It's he said it's, that's it's on the record. Plane underwear. It's, it's on, on the record. record. Uh, Cy. He likes. Uh, he's really into the uh, true crime documentaries. Yeah. He's really into that. What is something nobody knows about Michael Young? Well, shit. I can't say that I don't like clowns. That became a, a thing. Yeah, a that's back. a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> I guess I will say on this one, like where it originated. Um, so it's actually, it's a super real thing. I, and I'm not afraid of them. There's a big difference between not standing something and being afraid of them. I am not afraid of them. Um, but it is real. Like I, I, I freaking hate them. So when I was a kid in my, in my grandfather's house, it was, I got pictures in my phone that maybe I can show you guys at one point. He well, actually it was my, my, my uncle's house. Sorry. I'll make this really quick. He had pictures of clowns all over the house, right? So I got a picture of this thing right here, this thing right here. I got family photos. I got all kinds of crap in my house. It's clowns everywhere. I remember walking every freaking time, every holiday, every birthday, everything, every first communion, baptism, all this stuff. And I'm looking around. I'm like, what the hell kind of prison of terror am I in right now? It was, and they were like all kinds of clowns. It was ones, you know, that you can see like squirting a flower in the water ha, ha, the paint face the, all the stupid and then some really creepy looking ones too so that's kind of where it originated um and it really really kind of came full force when i went to the circus like in high school and i hadn't really thought about it much um at that point and then sure enough i i had this i'm having a good time and then all of a sudden it the clowns came out and i'm like these different things dude if i ever like it's squared up by one of these things it is on i don't trust them i i, I <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think they're evil, dude. And uh, the guy who like plays them, I don't just consider him to have like that's not your normal gig. I think you're doing stuff on the side. I think you're robbing cars. I think you're, <laughs> you're selling masks. I think you're doing all kinds of weird stuff on the side to cover up for your clown gig. Yeah, there's there's document. I mean, the most infamous clown of all time is John Wayne Gacy. I mean, oh. you know, he. That, that, I, you might be onto something, Mike. I tell you what, you you might be right. <laughs> I am. I read it when I read it just to kind of try and power through the fear. <laughs> or the, or the 
Didn't help. Made it worse. The whole thing. <laughs> All right, you got anything else for Mike? No, just uh, thank you for doing this, and um, ho- hopefully, hopefully, TCU and USC take care of business and both advance. I'd like to. I'm not going to sit between the two of you. Y'all going to be swinging oh, at each no, other we, there. On that. You know, we, you know, Michigan is is Derek Holland, and yep. Georgia is is the guy from the morning news. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah, there could be some yeah, there could be some battles here. That'd be fine. Yeah. Mike, we, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. And we really appreciate you d- taking the time. You got it, guys. Happy to help. Happy holidays. See you guys. All, All right. right Michael. That's Thanks. Michael Young, uh, uh, Hall of Famer for the Texas Rangers. Also special assistant to the general manager. Thanks, Mike. You got it, guys. Take it easy. All right. All right. Take care. Big thanks to Michael for jumping in there with us. Uh, that was great to get him to get Yeah, there. I just noticed his bobblehead's right there. Right in the front. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen. So he was here in studio. There you go. There you are. Right. <laughs> it's time to go down in the bus leagues. Not a ton going on, but we need, yeah. to, we need to always touch on it, no matter what. Uh, the show last week, we had Brock on. Yeah. Um, what a great kid. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's working out, and he's he's sounds like he's his program, he's, he's on it, but... I wrote about this before Thanksgiving about the, uh, you know, it was year year one of of Porter and Kumar Rocker and um, really as we talked about, just unbelievable that the Rangers were able to get these two guys. Yeah, oh sure. I mean, it's it, it was a divine intervention, really, and and um, so the you know, but the, the Rangers got them. Obviously, different pitchers. One guy's a man, one guy's a teenager, and uh, so they they took different developmental paths you know rocker wanted to pitch and they built him up made sure he checked all the the health marks and, right uh checked all the boxes on that and and then he did pitch and he pitched pretty pretty well overall you know he, he had a couple uh hiccups there but uh he did well in the fall league and i think it kind of gives him better pitching than, uh, hitting than he's ever faced sure sure but i, I think it <clears throat> i think it you know kind of told him a lot of what he needs to work on and, and what he right. needs to do to get ready for the season so i think it's a good uh jumping off point for him because he, you know, in theory is going to move fast. You right. Know? And, and then Brock did not, did not pitch. You know, they didn't even let, let him throw a lot of batting practice, which I thought was interesting. You know, they don't want to, they didn't want him to, I guess, rev up his engine you yeah. know, too much. And, you know, they, they're, they were very cautious. He'd had the long layoff between the draft and uh, the end of his high school season. And then, you know, you have a couple more weeks until you sign. So there's really no need to rush him to get, to get him to, hickory you know to, right. to, to pitch four innings um so they just took their time with him and then i think he you know as he said it was beneficial he feels like he has an idea of what professional baseball is like and what you know the work that is involved in it behind the scenes that, that nobody sees so um it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next next spring <clears throat> i don't i don't know that he would necessarily go to an affiliate right away he might you know, do the the little complex might, league for a couple. Well, of you know, and he he might not even do that. It might just extended spring. It might yeah, extended spring a deal like they did with uh, Sajacy two years ago, and and our buddies uh, Ian Muller and and Cam Colley this year, where they just held him back a little bit and then let him go and and get a field. You know, the, the pitching's different these days. You know, it's once a week, so that's all right. You know, you can pitch out of the bullpen, piggyback system. So there are a lot of ways they can work it where he. Gets gets a taste, but doesn't feel like he has to go nine innings a game, you know, right. something like that, and really monitor what he does. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, you're you're one, <laughs> whether it's two or three months, whatever constituted their first year uh, under contract. I think they weren't hurt, so that's good. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And uh, so it, you got to protect. You could deem it a success, I guess, if you want to do it. But it was it was much better than it could have been. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, we got, we got a picture of Evan, Evan Carter back there who, uh, you boldly predicted is going to be the starting center fielder for the Rangers at some point next year. 
uh hey what what, what maybe you but, know the range uh, listen and, and and look it's me dreaming again you know i i always come from this from the uh the fantasy side of it, right? I always have fun there. The Rangers haven't had since Elvis Anders. They haven't had the twenty-year-old that's come up and and just taken over. Yes, and and nothing against Leoti. Leo, if if hopefully Leoti's playing so well that that doesn't have to happen. But look, he's starting out at Double A. If he's killing Double A and does like he like he can, getting on base, he doesn't have to hit three hundred and thirty homers. But what I'm saying, he's producing, doing it. He's good defensively. This is a kid that I'm hoping – I want to see that kid solidify and come up, and they have to do the Elvis Anders thing and go, you know what? He's ready to be here. Let's get him out here. We're winning now, and this guy can help. Yeah, That's what I'd love to see. If it doesn't happen, it's just my fantasy that doesn't come true. <laughs> and then it's another year of development. So he's, right. he doesn't have to be on the 40-man right now. So, But, but this guy – is they always you hear it from different guys that cover the minor leagues you have to have an alpha male you have to have that one alpha male you know like a tatis or a you know you like a soto or whoever that comes up through a system that just and this is the closest they have to the to the alpha male right now right now okay maybe starting mm-hmm. pitching there's a couple of guys yeah. like lighter and and rocker that could be mm-hmm. even porter that could be the alpha male that we could see come up but none of them have done that yet. He is He's 19, uh, you know, about to be 20, and he's hitting at every level where he's the youngest guy in there. Yeah. This is our guy that maybe could be our alpha male. That could He could be a Cody Bellinger before he played like he did the last couple of years and get up here and be a solid middle-of-the-order bat yeah. that hits 25, 30 home runs, hits close to 300. <laughs> you know, an all-star. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A homegrown all-star? Sure. Okay. All right. That's mine. You know. well, no, he is 20. He turned 20 in August. Uh, he's getting married here this month. Uh, yeah. I think the 17th. Um, oh, so well, he's too old now. Never mind. Congratulations <laughs> to him. But, yeah, you know, um, that's that's one thing that, you know, he he understands the strike zone. And if you have an understanding of the strike zone, you're, you're ahead of the game. And, you know, obviously it's going to be different for him uh, – at he's, whatever level he's at, yeah, know, he's about he to. Only, face, it's about to get real. He only I mean, he only got a week of of double A plus right. the playoffs, right? Um, you know, trip, he did okay, but trip, he did trip get plays out. a lot of breaking balls and breaking stuff. So maybe yeah. maybe he goes there and gets a little little bit. He, he's likely test. starting at double A. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, there's no reason to start him at triple A. Right. He's going to start exactly. at double A. Yeah. So you you folks here in the Metroplex, you've got to get out and watch him play. He is a yeah. he's a yeah. But that's what he needs. He needs to get to double A and just do what he's kept doing. And it's going to be exciting to watch him play there. All right, all right. I'm yeah. off my soapbox on him, but he's my number one prospect. Sure. Uh, that's. I'm sorry. Uh, nothing against Lighter, who I think is going to easily could be a front end rotation guy. I think Rocker could be that. <sighs> I think Porter could be that. White might be the best pitcher in the organization right yeah. now. I mean, they, they've yeah. got some guys there, but this guy right here is doing it on the field. And of course, you know, I'm really high on uh, Zavala too. But he's hurt. yeah, he's hurt. So, he's a little banged up, but. Yeah, so you know, again, good good stuff is happening in the farm system, and uh, you know, a lot of currency. You, exactly, you, you, it may it may not look the same after this uh, this next week. <laughs> I, it may not. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're gonna. I think the most is there anybody you think the most likely to get traded because he just doesn't really have a position. Well, yeah, a lot of people have said Foscue, but uh, that's I, who I thought. I think I think that Foscue can headline move him around. Yeah, he can, he he can, can play first base. Anybody can play first base, right? But I mean, he's yeah. a good enough fielder at second base that you could move him to first base. Sure, I mean, and, he could be know, a, he could, could be a good defender. You could try base. him in the outfield. Sure, you know, you can uh, DH him. I mean, if there there are people in the organization who are extremely high on on his bat and do not want to see him traded. So okay. uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But you know, you, you hear the talk about uh, one of Dur- the two shortstops and Josh came. Smith, yeah. who who could get traded. That's um, entirely possible. But there there is. There is, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you want to you say. You could sur- go deep. I don't know if you want to say surplus, but there, <clears> there's, there are enough, enough trades can be made where the Rangers' depth wouldn't be hurt. No, so it, it goes deep. There, there are organizations that could dig deep into the Rangers' organization and pick up some nice players. That yeah, we're not even talking about sure, sure. because they're they're it's there. A huge list. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I saw. I'm not going to say where I saw it, but somebody was who saw went to fall instructs and looked at stuff. The name that's coming out of Fall Instructs that really kind of he didn't have a great season was Cam Colley, and yeah. all of a sudden he's doing pretty well again. And we liked we had him on here, yeah. and I read something about that the other day, and I'm like, good for Cam. I like Cam. He was a really mm-hmm. good kid. Came on to talk to us. So it's you know, look, your your first swim into the pro baseball, it's a big 
It's a big. You're facing yeah. stuff you've never faced before. Right, right. And you're doing, and you're doing things you've never done before. You're, you're, you're playing a lot more bus than, bus trips and yeah. and uh, you know living in a new part of the country and, and yep. trying to you know. There's just a lot. Absolutely. And, and so you know that's why every player comes at their own because it's not just the the, the baseball they're having to develop and become accustomed to it's life right and it and it's and it's uh yeah it's not easy no but. anything else before we no no shut her down i mean it's not going to be a big bus leagues this week i mean there's no ball being played right now <laughs> there might be a big bus leagues next week if we start yeah, talking yeah, about somebody know, gets yeah. moved hey listen we we talked about this we want to let y'all know we may not be able to do a show next week i would bet against it yeah. because you're going to be at the winter meetings till thursday and then what do you got going after and that and then i'm 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 flying to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony because it looks like uh, looks like Max Duggan from TCU is going to be a finalist. Uh, he just won the Unitas Award, so it's uh, that's great. It's for kind Max. of fun. Yeah, yeah it's great it's for kind this. Of fun. Look, you know, this Roxo, is, Roxo Media that that does this, guys. They're in a, they're they're affiliated with TCU, and uh, you know I'm a Horn fan, and we have our fun with that. Yeah. But these guys have been great. It's so excited for TCU get making it to the Big Twelve Championship. Looks like they're going to be in the college football playoffs. Hopefully, yeah. And, and that's fantastic. All these yeah. guys here have been great to me. I love it. They give me crap, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I no, love it's, it. It's uh, you know, if Frogs Frogs Day. If you're a TCU fan, subscribe to it too. It's a yeah. dollar for your first month, and then nine ninety nine thereafter. But um, we we every we, sport covers every yeah, sport. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, the voice of the TCU Horn Frogs. Brian Estridge. Brian Estridge is, 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 is a, here. A presence and. Uh, I do some writing for them, and really, it's just—I uh, mean, it's—it's it's the preeminent outlet covering TCU, and and uh, yeah, you know, if, and we're we're in the off season too. We got a lot coming out. You're still yeah. going to be writing. Oh yeah. So if we don't get an episode here, it's because he, he's got to pay bills, and so he, <laughs> he's he's writing for them too, and that's a big deal to go to the Heisman. Sure, it, you know, you can't get into the ceremony as it turns out. The media can't, but um, still, to follow him around and kind of chronicle it. And, That'd be you know, he, he's got a chance to have TCU's highest finish since uh, shoots and Stavio O'Brien won the thing. I think Jim Swink finished second and what are like fifty five or fifty six? Damian Thompson? Not- he was he wasn't uh, he wasn't the runner up. He was like fourth, I think. Did he go to New York? Yeah, he went to New York. Okay. Oh okay. yeah, that's another TCU story that I'm sure a lot of fans know about. We'll we'll touch on that another time <laughs> on the TCU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, listen. Don't forget subscribe down there below. Rangers today, five ninety nine a month, sixty dollars for a year. Thirty five for six months. Thirty five. It's, it's a popular one. Absolutely. Big thanks to Michael Young for joining us today. That was great of him to stop down, guys. If we don't see you next week, it'll be the week after that. Until then, we will see you at the yard. Roxo Media House.